Welcome back to another edition of Securiosity. I am your host, Greg Otto. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy as we settle into this new way of life. And even though it feels like it's light years away, the 2020 presidential election is going to be here before we know it. And like anything else, it's going to be impacted by the global pandemic. There has been a debate brewing amongst officials and experts as to whether voters should be able to vote by mail or if we the people should press ahead into a new technological paradigm and vote over the internet. There is a long list of pros and cons to each side and with cybersecurity experts weighing in on both. Yes, even with vote by mail, cybersecurity experts have feelings on this. We are wondering which of these we can pull off. One such expert Imperva CTO Kunal Anand spoke with me about the possibility of both online and vote by mail and whether either will ever be possible, whether it's inside or outside a pandemic. Check it out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special CyberScoop video. I am talking today with Kunal Anand, the CTO of Imperva. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Greg. Really looking forward to chatting with you. How are you holding up in this new reality? Holding a fine, uh, I apologize if you hear my, my toddler running around. Uh, you, you may hear her scream. You may even see a cameo in this video. Hey, 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 I may also have a cameo. I'm sure my kids might come barging in at some time. So we might have a cybersecurity video with some dinosaur figures, some dolls. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, fun times. One of the conversations with this new reality that we're hearing more and more is how this is going to affect the 2020 presidential election. And one of the big things going on across the country is, is one side of the argument saying, hey, let's do online voting. It's time. Uh, we can do this really quick. We can spool it up. And then there's people that want to do this more by mail. Vote by mail. Uh, we've already seen some movement toward that in some states with some primaries. What do you think is possible right now for 2020? What way do you think our government should be leaning? So I'm actually worried about post. Um, and voting by postal mail, predominantly because we're seeing issues with budgets, just generally with the U.S. Postal Service. Right. And so could this actually impact voting and what, what that might actually do to particular states and turnout? So then there's the flip side of it, which is online voting or mobile voting. And we have incredible capabilities as a human race when we want to work together to solve a problem. I look at just last week when we saw Apple and Google working together um, just to do contact tracing. And so the fact that you have two disparate platforms where you've got two different vendors that are working together to make changes to the underlying operating system so they can, they can accomplish that. And truly, when you think about the numbers, just how to scale voting, it seems very doable. It sounds like there's people that post online and social media that, uh, that generate more views uh, content-wise than probably voter turnout might actually be in terms of numbers. So it feels like from a technical perspective, we have the capabilities, we have the tools, uh, we just need the right incentives to, to get that started. So we've done some reporting on CyberScoop, particularly around uh, the Votes mobile voting app, which has been used in a couple smaller uh, elections or uh, on a smaller scale, I should say. Uh, in West Virginia, it was used to mm -hmm. let military members vote in elections in West Virginia. I know there have been some other programs in Washington and on the West Coast. But there have been some security audits done for votes that show, even though we have the technical mm -hmm. capabilities to make this happen from a security standpoint, there are a lot of vulnerabilities 
in this platform. And I'm wondering if you've paid attention to what has gone on in votes and whether you've looked at any of the security problems that have occurred there and whether or not you've seen that and gone, hmm, maybe we can't do this right away in 2020. So I think it's gonna be hard to get up and running in 2020. Um, I think that this is gonna be something that I think you just called out. Even if we were to, to accelerate to online voting, I don't think we'll have all 50 state participation or 50 X states participating in it for 2020. I think it's gonna to have to be rolled out over time. And I think we'll have to find a strategy for getting individuals accustomed to voting, whether it's via their smartphone or via their computer. It's a complete change of behavior. And you can't expect that change of behavior uh, to happen. Although I've been proven wrong, especially with coronavirus <laughs> and the, the augmented behavior I think that we all have. But you know, the thing that, that's interesting, you, you called out the risk um, that exists with voting. And there's a crazy threat model that you have to think about here. It's the systems, but also how voter fraud um, could, could be accomplished. So specifically, how could I impersonate your votes? Um, how does the system know that it's truly you and actually you that's voting uh, versus someone else? And I would say that that's some of the more interesting considerations here. I feel less scared about the actual technology. I feel less that it's not necessarily about the technology. You know, we know we generally know how to encrypt things. We know how to hash things. Uh, we know how to transmit data securely. It's just a real question now of how do you scale a program like that out? And so do you leverage things like real IDs, government identifiers? Like what do you typically use or what do you want to use in this sort of um, post-physical voting world, right, to, to vote and identify that you are who you say you are? So... I, I even with all of those uh, technological ad advances, I guess that you, you could say, I, I don't think that 2020 we're going to be seeing online I voting. Agree. But what is the time frame? Do you think that this could happen? Because I do agree in some sense that we are going to eventually move there, even if it's not full online voting. I think you're going to see it be an option. So mm -hmm. what do you think as far as the timeline and what do you think the big hurdles are in order to have this happen? I think it's going to be 2028. That's my prediction. My prediction okay. is we'll probably see online voting or mobile voting show up in the 2028 elections. I think if we work backwards from that, it means that 2024 will need to be beta tests or alpha tests across um, various states with some states going into production. So maybe you take more technology forward leaning states. So it could be New York or could be California and you have those particular states up and running and maybe not even the entire state, but just counties in there. Um, and then you work further back and it means that maybe certain regional voting or county voting or municipal voting uh, could move to the system fairly quickly, like in the next two years or so, just to ramp everything up. I agree with you. I don't think you can turn the lights on. There's no way you can just like flip a switch and say, we're going to do online voting now. I think it's something that you're going to have to ease into over time. And I think that's probably going to be an eight-year horizon uh, from where we are today. What I really feel strongly about is it's not just writing code. It's about that audit. And you called it out already. Like It's not just writing some source code and deploying it, but who has access to it? Is it doing the right thing? Is it working as expected? Um, is the code good? And so having more eyes on it, if this is a democracy, can we have more people looking at it? Can we build an open voting platform that's out there in the open that more people can contribute to? Can you look at it at GitHub? Can you assess it? So just more eyes, the better. I mean, we found this to be true with cryptography. When we've opened up crypto algorithms, people have found issues and weaknesses and they've improved 
the overall vector for crypto algorithms today. Can we apply that same thing to voting? Um, whether it's for construction of a website or APIs or mobile applications, auditing the work that would eventually be done by the providers. And maybe we follow a similar model to what Apple and Google are pushing with Android and iOS. Maybe we build something directly into the operating system that gets turned on federally or, or on a statewide basis. Again, there's lots of options and lots of ways we could do this. But we need to address those key pillars. So switching gears, uh, your company Imperva released this week a uh, bot report that mm -hmm. looked at all of this bot traffic that is going on across all different types of industries. The report says that you guys found the highest ever traffic when it comes to bots. Explain to me that factoid right there and why that is so worrisome. So what we mean by that is specifically with bots, there's basically these automated scripts um, that folks use. And there's good kinds of bots. So good kinds of bots being things like Google. So when you want to get your website crawled and indexed, you need the Google bot to come by. And of course, they're bad bots. And what we mean by bad or malicious bots are bots that are there to maybe steal information from your website. A common attack vector that we see and the one that's really troublesome for us is what we call account takeover or credential stuffing, where you have bots that are attempting to log in as you across lots of different websites. And they have a dictionary of maybe usernames and passwords where that information may have showed up in a breach. Maybe you were part of um, a vendor breach over the last few years, or one of the customers that you work with could be a bank or could be a retail site. Maybe their information got leaked. And of course, you're, you may be in that data set. What we're finding is that we see a lot of bad bots that are trying to log in with you or as you, and some of them are succeeding. Uh, and which then has further downstream consequences. So second and third order effects where if they can become you on one website, could they use that password somewhere else? Could they change that information? Could they harvest financial data from you? Uh, could they buy things on your behalf? So we see lots of that kind of behavior today, whether it's around authentication or authorization fraud. Other issues that we see will be around people that are uh, trying to buy tickets. People, I, I called out scraping earlier, um, we just see lots of interesting behavior. And of course, this is an election year. So there's a big question around how might this affect things like business registration? Um, how might this affect things around voter registration? Um, specifically, the number that scared us the most was about 37.5% of the bots in the government industry um, or the government sector, as we call it, were labeled as malicious. So it's pretty scary for us. So how do you differentiate good behavior from bad behavior? Because I think about a lot of the actions that you just described there, where if I have a sneaker bot and I'm just trying to get Jordans, I want that bot there you to go. act like me. But if, uh, of course, I don't want the same bot to be turned around and used to take my harvested credentials and try to log into my bank account or some other e-commerce account that I have. So how do you differentiate the behavior between what is a good bot and what is a bad bot? It's super tricky. Um, I would say that's probably what delineates the different bot providers because you have some organizations that are just out to stop all bots, but you can't do that because as you just mentioned, there are credibly good bots that exist out there. Uh, Google being one, it's kind of middle area if you're talking about the scoring Air Jordan. So like we can talk more about that later. Okay. Um, but ultimately it's really understanding behavior. So there's things that we do like client classification or device classification, understanding whether or not you're using a mobile device, if you're using an actual web browser, what version of the web browser are you using? Where are you coming from geographically? How much time have you spent on the site? How are you moving your mouse and keyboard on a website? So we can actually track 
how people are moving their mice on web applications so we can understand if you're a bot or a human. And what we're finding is now bots are getting more sophisticated. So there's right. two things here, like bots are being driven now to have like random and erratic behavior like humans do, which is kind of crazy. And then the second one that we were, I would say, more curious about now is we see bots as a service picking up. Um, predominantly we see that a lot of people have use cases so maybe you want to score jordans from a retail website or you want to buy tickets somewhere or you want to score concert tickets at a specific venue you can spin up a bot army if you wanted to just bots as a service give them a specific use case some quick programming or if you don't even know how to do it you can give the use case to someone else pass the cost along and they can do all that work for you and that's kind of and, and now you get into the sort of cat and mouse game, I think, that really exists in the space. And I think bots aren't going away anytime soon. The problem's not going away anytime soon. I think what organizations really need to do, if they really want to figure this out, is outline the personas for who you want to use your applications. Understand that every time you put a new experience online, you could be the subject of a bot issue. So really think hard about, do I want to put this information publicly? What could it actually mean? How could this information be abused? When you have things like logins uh, or forgot password flows, are you actually monitoring those flows? What if you see a surge in those flows, uh, a surge in people requesting passwords for a specific username or a password? You know, that's the kind of stuff that I think people need to be more mindful about. So taking what we see in production and shifting more of that mindset back as early on as you can in the secure software development lifecycle. Great. Gunal, really appreciate you hopping aboard. No kid cameos. We got lucky this time. So. Really appreciate you uh, hopping aboard and uh, talking about this stuff with us. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks again to Kunal for hopping aboard and talking to us about online voting and that bot report. That bot report dropped this week. I would check it out if you're interested. Some really good information there, especially as we continue to examine how bots are just proliferating across the internet at a mind-blowing rate. That's all for this week. We'll catch you again next time. But in the meantime... Stay safe, stay indoors, stay healthy, and as always, stay curious.